Welcome back to this podcast on the Rheumatology and Arthritis Learning Network with Drs. Al Kim, Jean Liu, and Jeff Sparks as they review the accomplishments of the Global Rheumatology Alliance during the pandemic and as they remember the late Phil Robinson, who was so important in its creation and its success. And I think the other thing about the GRA was, and I'll call these spinoffs, um, there were a lot of other things that occurred uh, because of the GRA. I think, Jeff, you mentioned the, the Mass Gen Brigham efforts that you and, and Zach Wallace, and congratulations on your R01, um, you. to be able to, you know, I mean, the, your efforts there really did come from the GRA, and you really just then said, you know what, we actually have a really nice population here in Boston to be able to um, ask really important questions. And then, you know, I we were motivated locally here to, to start the Coverapad, the immunogenicity and reactogenicity product, uh, project for SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. And this was a direct result of my involvement with the COVID-19 GRA. So again, I think there's a lot more than the information and analyses that were critical for patients that came out of this. There was a lot of really motivating and inspiring uh, kind of stories that you know, arose from this that allowed us to be able to um, really uh, cast a much wider net than the GRA by itself. So let's fast forward uh, to, I guess, maybe, I don't know, maybe like about nine or nine months ago or a year. I guess when the, the, the discussions to consider shutting down the registry, you know, when did that start and how, like, what were kind of the uh, kind of the decisions that went into that? So it's hard to, I mean, I could get my notebooks out and give me <laughs> the exact date because I take notes about everything and all my GRA notebooks are above my head and they're all <laughs> the same color. They're gold. I could tell you that, but it's really, I think when we talk about the GRA winding down or shutting down, it's not a bad thing. It's that the original goal to have this physician registry with um, other sort of sub aims related to it. That goal was fulfilled, and then by that, by the time we were talking about stopping incoming new cases into the registry, at that time, it was because we had answered all the questions that we could with rigorously designed studies, and we were needing to answer different questions, vaccine efficacy questions at that time that required totally different infrastructures, different ways of collecting data that were better served by these spinoff studies that had separate funding and, and just sort of separate infrastructures. So the need for a registry collecting cases like the GRA, that time period was over. So it wasn't so much like we need to shut down or we're tired of doing this or we don't have time anymore. It was more, we need to let these other ventures grow and answer these other questions that we can't answer with these types of data anymore. Actually, we had to kind of go back and allow one more study from New Zealand because they were then hit with Omicron and it was a unique population to be studied because everyone had been vaccinated and they had no one had gotten COVID before that happened. So we wanted to see in this unique population, SARS-CoV-2 naive, vaccinated when they got Omicron, what happened? So that was really the last data collection that we did from New Zealand and that paper has just been submitted. So it was really because we had answered all the questions using our registry infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people that I talked to anecdotally were a little bit surprised that are outside, right, of and uh, that 
uh, data collection was going to slow down. But I, I think internally, we all felt like that at some point, you know, we've hit the, the saturation point and, you know, we, we really couldn't add any more value to the analyses by having, like, say, another thousand cases entered or whatever. You know, so I guess, you know, wrapping up here. I'll mention one other thing, oh, Al. Oh, you know, I, the physician registry is, you know, again, I think what most people think of for the GRA. And I think it, you know, when it was started, cases were few and far between, which was obviously a good thing, particularly in the pre-vaccination era. And I'd say that here at MGB with Zach Wallace, Mass General Brigham, you know, we'd been systematically collecting everything and sending it to the GRA. And actually when Omicron hit, it was sort of like, you know, the, the, the scenario had reversed where it was it was harder to find people who didn't have COVID at that point. And we weren't like scrambling for cases. And there were population databases that, you know, you can find COVID cases and there's a clear denominator. So I think when Omicron hit, it sort of flipped the script where COVID became pretty common and having a denominator was pretty important. And, you know, the timing of vaccining was more important. So I think it was, you know, I think to me, that's sort of when things shifted. And actually we became so overwhelmed with cases that we couldn't send them to the GRA either. And the only the other thing I'll mention is the GRA does consist of more than just the physician registry. And I think this is the grand vision and hopefully we'll touch upon this in more detail, but we've already talked about some of the editorials and there were others besides the Russia judgment paper. There was really important systematic reviews that are highly cited and you know really um, very helpful. And then there was the patient facing surveys, the first related to the early experience in the COVID pandemic. And then the second, which I led actually with Julius Smard, along with John Hausman, Emily Sorotish, and others related to the vaccine experience, really, really, you know, rolling out a brand new vaccine to our patients. What are their perceptions? What are the early clinical signals? And then there were also uh, projects related to health telehealth, both related to trainees, as well as uh, patients and providers. Uh, and there's probably a few other projects I'm forgetting that Gene probably knows, but, you know, it's really incredible, the vision and, you know, scope, you know, related to not just what rheumatologists are going through, but what the patients are going through and how care is delivered differently. Yeah, I think the one other thing that we absolutely cannot forget either are the, uh, the lay research summaries. Um, right. That we're absolutely critical to be able to, you know, be able to provide patients, you know, simple but not dumbed down you know, descriptions of the work that was being done, because obviously medical, uh, you know, research papers are very technical. And so we needed a mechanism to be able to get this out to the lay uh, public. And I, I can't remember even what the genesis of that was. I guess it was a part of the original planning, right, Gene? Or it was part of the patient board. So the patient okay. board was from the beginning part of, so there's a steering committee that was I was on. Um, there was the scientific advisory subcommittee that the two of you were on. There was a patient board. I mean, it was the patient board's determination that they needed to have lay summaries or plain language summaries to accompany our, our manuscripts as part of the overall mission to disseminate our information because we were going to collect, analyze, and disseminate our information. So that was part of that. Any other thoughts or comments before we wrap up talking about Phil? No, I yeah. think uh, we should now. Yeah. So, you know, as uh, you know, we had mentioned before, Dr. Philip Robinson, uh, Robinson was uh, one of the core 
individuals that uh, really spearheaded along with Genus, um, the COVID-19 Global Rheumatology Alliance, and he unfortunately passed away uh, around the New Year's period, uh, 2023. You know, the ACR had a wonderful memorial, global memorial for him, which was very emotional for all of us because we all knew uh, Phil in different ways. You know, I've known him through ACR before, but never really chatted about you know science or medicine with him until the GRA. Then I realized just what an amazing individual he is. How uh, you know he he puts himself second and he puts the mission first. You guys have had your own interactions with Phil, so I guess um, Gene, why don't you go ahead and start because you've had probably most interactions out of the three of us. Yeah, over 100 hours on Zoom uh, calls with him uh, as part of the steering committee. I mean, to highlight, it's hard to to just say what an amazing human researcher clinician Phil was. We already talked about his foresight. We've mentioned it already that at the very beginning, the very first few days of wanting to start the GRA before he had even named it that. He already knew he wanted to have all these, he wanted the physician registry, which was answering the initial question on Twitter from Len Calabrese, but he knew that there should be literature reviews answering these other questions that people were going to ask. And he wanted to incorporate the group that was going to eventually make the patient survey. And he had roles and just had this idea of this organization that was more than just this physician registry. And he had it written down within the first few days of even like answering this call on Twitter. So that amazing foresight that all held up. So that's one big thing that's just amazing to me now. The other thing was that his collaborative spirit, getting people together, very different people with different um, experiences and expertise, getting them together to work on things and getting them to work together, as well as doing a lot of work himself. He was always jumping in and writing in our Google Docs. There was He was never the kind of person who just supervises and has other people do things. He was always in there with us. And that was also incredible knowing that he was the father of two very small children who we saw on these Zoom calls. And he was always engaged with them, engaged with his family, but engaged with us and obviously engaged with his actual job that he he had as well. So that collaborative spirit and his motivation to do so much was his second major thing about him. And the last major thing to highlight about Phil was his sort of mentorship and getting a lot of people, giving a lot of people roles in this and giving them the ability to do big things. So people from lower middle income countries. So it was truly global people who are still in training, like myself, people who are patient, patient representatives, just sort of everyone who was interested, who could find something to do. He, he invited people in and developed the structure where there was just a sort of trickle down mentorship structure framework, just made it work. And he was into, he was a governance guy. So like he was into the structure and, and like making sure that those pieces fit together. It was just, there's just so much. So those are the three things I would want to highlight about him. Jeffrey. Oh, you know, a lot. I, I certainly reiterate everything Gene says and you know, he was just really an incredible person. And he taught me a lot, you know, I think kind of the overarching lessons, you know, 
he is someone that had an incredible impact and it was the way he carried himself it was how he thought big it was how he was generous it was how he was kind and he certainly was rigorous and smart and detail oriented and you know a lot of the things we think about as physicians and scientists about knowing a lot and working hard and he had those too but he had this sort of intangible giving quality that was just really contagious and palpable like no matter what i mean he was on calls at 3 4 a.m and it it was just he, he just embraced life and the way that he tackled a question it, it wasn't like you know it's easy to get down in the dumps when you're you know isolated home and zoom not seeing people but he was just always so bright and wanting to look for the future and to think big and he really emphasized about what that this was a big deal it was making a big impact and you know what we did here had repercussions and was going to matter and people were going to read it and so the way he just galvanize people to really, you know, make it so that you think big and that the work you do matters and that being kind and generous to others is really the way to get by. Obviously being smart and rigorous and working hard are good qualities too, but I think I think his kind nature, his generosity have really impacted me and you know, really think about him a lot and I'm really grateful I got to know him. Yeah, it was obviously a tragedy that he was taken at such a young age. But obvious, but another obvious thing is that he was a blessing to the people that were able to interact with him. And I feel that the the impact he's had through the Global Rheumatology Alliance, you know, just for patients along with the rheumatology community, is the type of legacy he deserves. So, so with that, I want to thank Jeff. I want to thank Gene for hopping on to this discussion. Everything COVID-19 Global Rheumatology Alliance, really one of the most amazing experiences that I've been able to uh, participate in uh, professionally and personally, too, because I've been able to meet great people like you guys. So with that, I want to wish everyone a wonderful day, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thanks.